Hello, folks. We are back with another edition of the CIAC cast. It has been quite a while since we joined you last. The uh, The summer months got a little quiet here at the CIAC. Well, or at least they got a little quiet on the CIAC cast perspective. We certainly had some things going on and uh, some things uh, in the hopper there. But we uh, took a little break from the CIAC cast. So we are uh, over a month or so since we've last joined you. But we're very happy to be back. I am, of course, Joel Cookson. Happy to be hosting with you once again. And we appreciate you uh, checking out this conversation about high school sports in the state of Connecticut. Got a good show coming up for you here. We are uh, talking to a pair of guests uh, covering the high school sports beat here in the state of Connecticut. We're going to get on the phone with Bryant Carpenter. He is the sports editor and writer at the Meriden Record Journal. They did a nice uh, a nice sort of series of features as part of their preseason football uh, package that I want to talk to him about, so we're looking forward to that. And then a very familiar guest on here on the CIC cast, Matthew Conyers from the Hartford Current. We're going to let him, uh, we're going to rev him up and let him go. And Matt always has plenty to say, lots of great information. So we're looking forward to that conversation as well. So that's who we're going to have on tap for you on this edition of the CIC cast. Just looking through, this is episode 82. So we have uh, been doing this now for, for quite a few years and uh, really enjoy the process. So hope you uh, folks enjoy checking us out as well. Always want to uh, remind you all, if you're listening for the first time, uh, then it's not a reminder, but for those of you who have been with us a few times, uh, please uh, subscribe to the CIAC cast. You can find the link uh, at iTunes. You just search CIAC cast. You can also look for the CIAC cast page on uh, CIACsports.com. There's a subscribe link right there. And if you do uh, subscribe through iTunes, please uh, rate us and leave us a review. Uh, it's a great way for us to get some idea of, uh, of things we can do better, whether or not you're enjoying the uh, the podcast, and um, and gives us a sense of, uh, of just how many folks are checking us out every time we, uh, we post one of these suckers. So uh, hope you will consider doing that as well. Of course, uh, good ways to uh, get in touch with us. You can email the show. C-I-A-C-Cast, I know that's a lot of C's in there, C-I-A-C-C-A-S-T at C-A-S-C-I-A-C dot O-R-G. So C-I-A-C-Cast at C-A-S-C-I-A-C C-I-A-C dot O-R-G. Lots of uh, things in there, but you can get in touch with us there. If you've got ideas for stories uh, that we should be covering, uh, guests that you'd love us to have on to, uh, to talk about things, Whatever it might be, we always uh, appreciate hearing from folks. We've had several uh, times when folks have uh, have gotten in touch with me and said, you need to uh, talk a little bit more about this. And I say, you know what? You're absolutely right. And then we uh, we try to respond to that. So hopefully uh, folks will check that out as well. How else can you follow the CIAC? Uh, that's an excellent question that I just asked to myself. Of course, CIACsports.com and our subsite uh, tournamentcentral.ciacsports.com is uh, is a great place to get all the uh, information uh, that you could possibly want about uh, the CIC and CIC competitions this year. We've got all the fall schedules are up. Uh, results are there uh, as they come in. Results are supposed to be posted uh, within or updated within 24 hours of a game. So you got uh, reasonably accurate uh, results there as well that you can always find. Um, all kinds of good stuff. You can sign up for uh, schedule alerts. That's always a good thing to do early in the fall season, uh, get you uh, on that list as well. Uh, if there's specific tournament information you're looking for, we've got tournament archives, anything you could want uh, at CIACsports.com. Of course, follow us on Twitter. I know a lot of folks are, uh, are doing that. At CIAC Sports is the Twitter handle. And then on Facebook, facebook.com slash CIAC Sports, trying to do some things there as well. So uh, some of the good ways that you can keep tabs on what's going on with the uh, the CIAC. Of course, every time we do do a new, uh, a new uh, CIAC cast, we post it on our Twitter feed, and that uh, is one way to keep track. But we do hope and, uh, and love if you would subscribe uh, to us on iTunes. We're looking at uh, making sure we get uh, available on all the other platforms, uh, you know, podcast platforms as well. Uh, we're in the process of uh, investigating that. So hopefully we'll be able to do that for folks as well. So that's, uh, that's where we are with our introduction here, and we're going to get right to our guests. But, but first, before we do that, we got two things we got to get through. First, we've got to remind you of our message from our good friends at the Connecticut Department of Transportation who uh, want to let us know that sending or receiving a text takes a driver's eyes from the road for an average of 4.6 seconds, driving at 55 miles per hour. This is the equivalent of traveling the length of an entire football field blind. 
please do not text and drive or drive distracted and encourage your friends or family to park the phone when they are behind the wheel. One text or call could wreck it all. That's an important message from our friends at the Connecticut Department of Transportation. Please take that seriously. Nothing worse than being on the road, seeing someone uh, who's not paying attention. Uh, you know, uh, you can see it. You can see the other cars are uh, are wary around them, and you just don't know what they're going to do because they're not uh, focused on what they need to be doing, and that's uh, operating a, a very uh, large and, uh, and dangerous machine. So please, uh, please keep the phones parked away um, when you are behind the wheel. We also like to... Uh, do a little thing here on the CIC cast uh, called Things You Might Have Missed on CICsports.com. Just an update on some of the, the things you can find there. Of course, we have our weekly feature linked up, which is a, a great way to get all kinds of great stories and features uh, from the world of high school sports in Connecticut and beyond. So uh, we've had two, I believe, two links up, linked ups since uh, our last CIAC cast, we will have another one going up today. It may be up already by the time you uh, you listen to this uh, this fine podcast. Uh, a couple other things. Um, starting last week and continuing this week, uh, CIAC has partnered with WTNH News 8 and the Red Cross for uh, something we're calling Kick In at Kickoff. Obviously, uh, everyone, I think, is aware at this point of the uh, the devastating effects of Hurricane Harvey and Irma uh, on those on, uh, on Texas and then in the Gulf area, on uh, Florida and moving up the coast. Uh, folks still trying to get their lives back together, and uh, and you know maybe some of the uh, the hubbub and the fundraising has died down a little bit, but those folks are still going to need all kinds of support. So we're asking uh, folks who are out at football games tonight. Obviously, the uh, the excitement and the passion of a high school football season. We thought we could kind of try to translate that into some giving. So uh, there'll be announcements at all the football games tonight and Saturday about uh, about how folks can make a donation to the Red Cross. There will be uh, Red Cross volunteers at three of our sites uh, around the state today, so we uh, we hope that you'll uh, consider making a donation there and uh, and helping to support folks uh, who are really going to need a lot of support uh, in the coming months and uh, and years, quite frankly. Uh, it takes a long time to recover from some of the things that uh, that those folks are dealing with there. Uh, we've got a, uh, an information session coming up. This is something a little different from the CIAC and, uh, and and the, and the cast portion of our uh, our organization, kind of what we call our student activities, but uh, we're we're sticking our toe into the world of esports, a uh, very very fast growing uh, opportunity for kids maybe who uh, who aren't into the uh, into the on field athletics, although they certainly could be uh, could be athletes as well, student leaders, whatever it might be. But we're uh, offering an information session at the uh, the cast offices. Uh, which will be uh, coming up in a few weeks. That'll be September 27th, so just a, a week or so, a little over a week or so. Uh, from now, we will be hosting that event. You can find the registration uh, link at our uh, at our website, at CICsports.com. So that's another thing you might have missed, uh, an information session on eSports and how you can uh, can bring them to your school. So it's an open for, uh, for schools, for, for students. Uh, to come and get a little bit more information uh, about that. And uh, one other thing that we're, uh, we're talking about, there's a, a documentary called Resilience, which is uh, really an important, uh, important film, um, particularly for educators and, and for students. It's all kinds of really relevant for all sorts of folks. Um, and we're doing some screenings of that around the state of Connecticut. And uh, you can find information on that on the, uh, the CAS website. Uh, the screenings are September 27th, October 4th, October 11th, November 1st and November 8th at uh, a variety of sites around the state of Connecticut. So if you go to uh, castciic.org, you can find uh, information there about the, uh, the resilience screenings. It's really an important film about, uh, about overcoming uh, adverse childhood experiences is what they call and how they impact students and, uh, and adults at a later date and, and how to kind of battle through some of those, uh, some of those challenges that uh, arise from those things. So just a few things you might have missed at CICsports.com. Again, please, if you're checking us out on iTunes, please consider subscribing. As I said, if you have uh, another platform that you'd like to use for your, uh, for your podcast, we are going to do some research and, uh, and try to get the, the CIC cast uh, available on those as well. But if you, do if you do follow us on iTunes, please consider subscribing. We'd love to, uh, to have that happen for you. So with all of that said, I've talked way too long, as I uh, occasionally do, but we're going to get right into now our chats with uh, our guests. Very excited to have these folks joining us. We're going to start things off. Bryant Carpenter from the Meriden Record Journal. Going to talk a little high school football. We are chatting now with Bryant Carpenter from the Meriden Record Journal, who's going to uh, join us to talk a little bit about some of the work that they uh, they did to help preview the 
the now ongoing uh, high school football season. So, Bryant, thanks, uh, thanks for carving out a little time to be with us. Of course, Joe. Good to be with you, kid. Good to be with you. So uh, I was talking to uh, to Bryant as we warmed up here a little bit and, and saying that, you know, as we head into a new new football season or a new sports season in general, you, you see uh, all of the great previews and, and season previews and team previews that uh, that the media outlets produce. But I was I was struck by something that the, the record journal did this year. So I wanted to get Bryant on to talk about a little bit. And that was um, uh, of all the high schools in their coverage area. Uh, that they sort of focus on. Each of them had a returning uh, starter at quarterback this year on the football field, so they decided to do to dub this year and their kind of preview package the the year of the quarterback. So I guess Bryant, I just kind of want to start, um, you know, with saying, uh, how did you come up with this idea as sort of the way into the the previewing the high school football season? Well, you know, actually, I started thinking about it at the end of last season when we were picking our all-record journal team, and I was sizing up the quarterbacks, and it, you know. Sometimes it takes a hammer to hit me over the head. <laughs> Realize, geez, all these kids are going to be back next year, and this this is great. Next year is really going to be the year of the quarterback. Um, and I kind of just I remember throwing that phrase out. I believe in the story I wrote. And then Pete Guagua joined us, um, and he's great. Pete does our film work. Mm-hmm. And um, early on, I think it was back at our awards brunch at the end of June, he came up to me and he's like, "We got to do something year of the quarterback. We got to do a, a series going into the preseason." And and, and on. I said, Pete, you read my mind, which he kind of does with frightening regularity, to be honest with you, because um, it's, it's right there in our face. You know, mm-hmm. all of our quarterbacks, by and large, had good seasons last year, and most of them were juniors. There was one kid who was a sophomore, but they were all coming back. So we knew, you know, that uh, it was a tailor-made feature series, and, and there it was. Pete and I rounded it up. We did two-a-days, just like the kids were doing to start right. preseason. We hit, we hit up two camps each day. Um, and uh, the kids, you know, they're, most of them are now seniors. They're very poised. They've been there. Um, they interview well. And um, they show that same poise on the field. Yeah. So uh, this is a little bit, you know, kind of of a, of a broader scale question, but obviously, you know, you've been uh, you've been doing this, and the high school sports beat is obviously a big part of uh, of what you folks do with the Record Journal. And I know with a lot of papers uh, around the state of Connecticut, we're very lucky in that way. Um, but I'm just kind of curious, you know, how how much of a challenge is it, you know, to sort of obviously the new season and you want to preview, and this is not exclusive to football, but you know, you want to preview uh, the upcoming season and the teams. How how challenging is it to sort of always find those new angles or, or a different way to approach, uh, you know, a season rather than just kind of your, you know, your standard boilerplate, you know, we're excited for the new year. Here's who we have back. Here's who we're, you know, uh, we lost kind of thing that, that are certainly uh, not to, to say there's anything wrong with those, but I'm sure they, they get a little tiring yeah. to write, if nothing else. Yeah, no, you, you always want to be creative. Uh, you have to be in this day and age, you know, to, to catch people's attention. Um, but it is a challenge for us, Joel, because, you know, covering such a very finite geographic area, you know, Meriden, Wallingford, Cheshire, and Southington, we do our previews every season in all sports. We want something on every team. That means we have to talk to every coach. Mm-hmm. And it's very time-consuming. And, you know, in the non-football Sports, Kenny Lipschitz takes care of that uh, for, for most of the sports. Example, this fall he did both soccer, uh, mm-hmm. volleyball, and uh, field hockey, and that's that's a lot of coaches. He could probably give you the exact number of coaches he talked to right <laughs> off. I'm sure he could. I'd have to do a little math, but it, it's a lot, you yeah. know. And I know what we try to do uh, with the non-football sports is because we want to get something on every team, we, we really kind of do uh, strictly a team preview, and then the feature stories present themselves as the season goes on because, as you said, we put all our eggs in the local basket because, you know, what? we're not ESPN, we're not a bigger newspaper, and we've really decided, at least since I've been sports editor, we're going to give people stuff they really can't get elsewhere, or at least in such a thorough and organized way. Sure. Um, so that, that's the approach we take. And with football, trying to get new angles, you know, going into a new season, sometimes it's easy. Sometimes it's as simple as, hey, gee, all our starting quarterbacks are back. <laughs> yeah. uh, other times you've got to dig around and scramble a little bit, and you don't know what that um, – interesting creative theme is going to be until you visit the camp and see what's going on. Um, I probably shouldn't say this because I'm giving away a massive story idea. I just haven't been able to get to it yet. Another thing for us was three of our coaches have um, significant life changes in the last, uh, geez, four or five months. Um, Two of our coaches, John Ferrazzi at Sheehan and Mike Drury at Southington, both just had kids. Mm -hmm. Mike uh, Mike has a son, uh, George, and uh, Johnny has a girl, Ella. And then another coach of ours, Kevin Frederick, recently got married. Yeah. And so, you, you know, you got to 
uh, newlywed and, and two new fathers. So uh, that's another story I want to pursue. If anybody listens to this and steals my idea, I'm going to stick Pete Pagwagla on you. Well, I don't know what kind of uh, what what how massive and, and broad my listenership is, but I, I think people will uh, will probably keep quiet and uh, and let you handle those. But that uh, that is certainly I, I look forward to seeing those because uh, as a, a relatively uh, uh, a new father myself, I can uh, can wonder what uh, what impact that might have on their their coaching lives. So uh, uh, yeah. so I just want to know, you know, now we kind of talked about the broad strokes. Let's kind of get into a little bit about these. Uh, these six quarterbacks that uh, that you covered, and I'm just kind of curious what you know without uh, without going through uh, line by line for each uh, each of the six kids, but just what kind of stood out uh, to you from writing and, and reporting those stories on the quarterbacks? Any kind of uh, anything uh, that really jumped out as sort of particularly interesting to you as you uh, as you covered them? Well, each kid um, we enjoy talking to each kid, and um, I'm talking about Pete and I, of course, since we tag teamed on this. Um, all six of our quarterbacks, they did a very good job in their interviews, all of them. You know, sometimes you'll interview kids and, and they'll feel uncomfortable or a little awkward or mm-hmm. a little unsure of themselves. But all six quarterbacks did very well, and I, I think that it reflects, you know, the level of comfort they feel being, in, in many cases, uh, team captains. Yep. I think most of them are team captains, I think, to a man. I think the one exception, in fact, is, West Hersey over at Sheen, and that's because he's a junior. Mm-hmm. I believe all the others are team captains. So they're used to being leaders. And uh, as returning quarterbacks, they all, and they spoke about this, they're all very, uh, they've grown accustomed to settling in and, and knowing what they've got to do on the field, um, you know, having a sense of, of calm. And um, this is the prevailing thing for all our teams. They've all got a kid who did it last year. So they're back a year later, and remember, this is high school. It's a very brief window. Yeah. It's two, three years tops. And all of our football teams are, are fortunate to have a kid uh, under center, or, you know, five yards behind center in pistol <laughs> sure. formation, who's uh, very calm and poised and confident in what he's doing. And that makes such a huge difference. You ask any coach when it comes to drawing up game plans, you know, you're not rolling the dice. It's like, okay, we know we can run these patterns. We can script these ten plays because we know our quarterback and execute these plays. Yeah. That's big at the high school level. Yeah, no question. Um, so, uh, you know, with again, without uh, you don't need to give us the, the full bio, but uh, let, let folks know a little bit about these uh, these young uh, young men. Obviously, we encourage them to go check out the, the stories uh, on the Record Journal uh, uh, website, but just give us, uh, you know, some broad strokes. Who, uh, who are these guys? What are kind of some of the stories that, uh, that they're bringing into the football season? All right. Um, in no particular order, not even alphabetical, though I will start with Will Barmore up at uh, Southington. Mm-hmm. Um, will, he's a returning uh, senior, senior captain. Um, the thing we liked about Will Barmore was, was this. You know, he follows two um, highly renowned quarterbacks at Southington, Stephen Barmore, who is his older cousin, and then Jason Rose, sure. of course, is now up at UConn. And, um, and, and Stephen Barmore, I should mention, is down at Yale. Um, these are two kids who were, were both recruited very highly. They were both highly successful. Both Stephen Barmore and Jay Rose led Southington to a state championship. Uh, and then, they, you know, in high school, kids come and go, and they graduate, and along comes Will Barmore, who's, you know, Stephen Barmore's younger cousin. And um, nice little story, when Stephen had his last uh, high school banquet, he bequeathed his number 12 uniform to his younger cousin, Will. Nice little, you know, uh, Pat on the uh, on the back there, and I'll tell you what, Will's doing the job. He is, you know, up in Glastonbury. They opened the season last year, uh, last week that is, and Will, fifteen to twenty-three, uh, two hundred yards, two touchdowns. He, he he did hit his head on the turf uh, and came out. I think uh, early in the second half, it was precautionary. So the team was a big. It was raining. The game was in hand. Sure. Um, we we understand he he's fine. Um, one of my guys spoke to him after the game, and, and Will looked fine, which is good. We want all these kids to stay healthy. Yep. Um, so there you have it, Will Barmore, following in the footsteps of, of uh, two highly renowned quarterbacks and carrying on the Southington legacy quite well. Um, you know, there's no reason not to think Southington won't be back in the postseason again. They yep. really don't lose that much with, with Will being it in the saddle. You know, he's he's not going to take off and run people over, say, the way Jay Rose did or even Stephen could. Um but I'll tell you what, last Thanksgiving against Cheshire, he had two plays that were very reminiscent of Eli Manning in the, in the Super Bowl against the Patriots, you know, somehow eluding uh, a heavy rush and getting off uh, a pass that came at a critical time, one for a touchdown and one on a big fourth and long play. So 
the Blue Knights are in good hands with Will Barmore. He's a bright kid, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, whether or not he plays football in college next year, who knows. Um, but he's going to be going to school somewhere, and he's got a bright future. Um, the flip side of the Thanksgiving equation is uh, Jack Rabin and the Cheshire Rams. They look very good. I'm sure as a lot of your listeners uh, noticed, and, and you, of course, Jill, uh, Cheshire had a big win against Shelton last week. Um, and they came from behind three second-half touchdowns. They beat Shelton. That was a top-ten game. Mm-hmm. Um, Cheshire is a very mature, experienced group, and Exhibit A is, is Jack, their quarterback. Um, he's been their starting quarterback since his sophomore year. Uh, he got hurt in each year. Sophomore year was tough. He, he tore his ACL, and he lost a good chunk of that season. Came back his junior year, missed a little time with a minor knee injury, but put up very impressive numbers. Now he's back as a senior, his first game. Almost identical numbers to Barmore. Uh, Rabo was 15 for 24, a little over 200 yards, two touchdowns. Um, and the funny thing with Jack, his unique claim to fame in our quarterback series is we know he's going on to play Division One athletics in mm-hmm. college, except it's going to be in lacrosse and oh. not in football. So um, that's uh, Jack's uh, unique uh, element that he brings to our quarterback table. Uh, though he uh, he fits right along with his bunch too, because he's a very very capable quarterback. Yeah. So those are our two guys, you know, from Cheshire and Southington, and they will play each other on Thanksgiving. And I, I anticipate a big, very good game. I'm, I'm going to that game. In fact, you, I'm going to put my name down for that game right now. So I'm on the record for covering All right. that game. Well, I would imagine as the sports editor, you uh, you probably have a pretty good chance of getting that assignment. So. Yeah, well, sometimes you got to. It's more, it's more than just desires, sure. logistics, you know. But, um, yeah, I'm going to that one. So <laughs> never mind logistics on this one. Um then here in Meriden, again, two returning quarterbacks, um, A.J. Marinelli at Platt and LaRue Graham over at Maloney. LaRue was our uh, R.J. quarterback of the year last year. He had a great receiver in Alejandro Ortiz, who mm-hmm. was um, he, he basically graduated with virtually every receiving record over at Maloney. He was a, he's a heck of a player. Uh, the Spartans and LaRue are going to have to learn how to play without you know, uh, Ortiz this year. They were shut out up at Windsor to start the season. Um, and they, they struggled on, on offense, obviously. Yeah. But I'll say this, you know, um, it's Windsor. Everybody knows how good Windsor is. Ralph leading up up there does a great job. They're in the playoffs virtually every year. And um, and to be honest with you, LaRue had a tough time in his uh, first game last year. So um, I, I, well, I expect him to bounce back and be pretty solid moving forward. Um, A.J. Marinelli at Platt, they play tonight. They go for win number 300 in their uh program history oh wow they play against Wyndham yeah yeah and, and uh so hopefully we get a big crowd over at Falcon Field last week against Farmington they won pretty handily uh, AJ was very efficient I, I like these numbers they don't jump off the page he's 10 for 13 for 198 yards but I mean look how accurate he was mm-hmm. um this this is my favorite bit of, of his numbers four touchdowns and they were to four different receivers uh with a diverse attack and you throw in EJ Dudley their running back Platt looks pretty good this year too they become a perennial a Class L playoff team. Now they have to become a perennial Class L playoff winner. That's right. the one thing that's eluded them. Uh, but with AJ, uh, you know, you've got a kid who uh, was there last year. Same with Maloney. They they were the number nine team in L last year. Uh, Larue got him to the doorstep. Perhaps he gets them through this year. Uh, again, this is another uh, Thanksgiving game that stands to be a very good one. Here's a neat little story idea that again, I hope nobody steals on me. But AJ Marinelli's dad and Larue Graham's dad. Now they have the same exact name. They actually played against each other in the nineteen, I believe, it was the nineteen eighty three or eighty four Stoddard Bowl. Really? So, um, yeah. So the generations have come around here in Meriden with AJ and Larue. They're good kids too. AJ designs uh, hats and, and t-shirts, and um, I've seen them online. They're pretty good. Now I'm not going to order them because I'm, I'm, you know, over the hill and, and <laughs> don't look hip in clothes anymore. <laughs> but AJ designs his own clothes. Uh, a little sidelight for him. Uh, these two guys, again, uh, will go on to college whether or not they play. Uh, we'll see. They're not the prototypical college quarterback body. You know, they're both around 60, 160, 170. Yeah. Uh, but good athletes. LaRue, I should I add two inches to his height. He's about 6'2". Um, but good kids. We enjoyed talking to them. And then the last two, and I hope I'm not babbling on too long. Nope, here this is what go. we're looking for. All right, good. Uh, down in Wallingford, um, both the Wallingford teams opened with victories last week, and that was nice to see for various reasons. Over at Sheen, of course, everybody knows what Zach Davis did last year with his uh, massive running totals. You know, he had the 543 yards against Lyman Hall, 541 against Law. Those are one, two in that order. 
in the uh, state record books for mm-hmm. single-game rushing yards. He also put up 10 touchdowns against Law. That's a record. And really, if you look at the total yards he had, if you do the math, he amassed those in uh, fewer games than the people who are ahead of him on that list. Yeah. So uh, Zach Davis, you know, tremendous senior year, just an excellent career, but his senior year was just off the charts. And he's at Fordham now, and he did play last week for the Rams against Central. Um when uh, a couple kids got hurt at running back, and, and Zach Davis, boom, they put him in there, and Fordham came back from a deficit to win. So he's off and running at Fordham, literally. Um, but, of course, obviously back at his old school, he leaves a massive hole on offense, just sure. like Danny James did on defense for the Titans. Um, and that's why this year West Hersey, as an incumbent quarterback, though only a junior, a lot falls on him because they're going to expect more out of him this year. Uh, last year, West just had to hand the ball off to Zach. <laughs> Zach <laughs> took it from there. Yep. This year, uh, Wes is doing the same. There's a very good sophomore class that's come in, and uh, they've got some good backs there. Uh, but Wes is going to throw the ball uh, more this year, and he's got some good receivers. Now, last week against Jonathan Law, again, he, he was much like A.J. Marinelli. He didn't throw the ball all over the place because he didn't have to. Because when he did, he was very efficient. Just nine passes, but he completed seven of them for 210 yards, and there was a touchdown there as well. Sheehan won in its opener. Um which was sort of to be expected. They've beaten Law more times than not over the years. Mm-hmm. Um, the nicest win for, for Wallingford, most would say, would be at Lyman Hall. You know, it's the, the turmoil they've had for the past five years. I don't need to rehash it here. If people follow the sport, they know. Yep. Uh, bottom line is they got Bill Wyrock uh, coaching. He used to be uh, Chip McKeon's uh, defensive coordinator, you know, ten years ago or so. Uh, Bill stepped down when his boys uh, over at Cheshire, Bill Wyrock and uh, Brian Wyrock, played. He wanted to see his kids play. And uh, Brian graduated last year, so so Bill was available to, to return to coaching. He's a teacher at Lyman Hall, so he's back. They made a good hire down there, and Lyman Hall beat the Creed Career Whitney Tech Co-op 7-zip at Bowen last week behind their returning quarterback, Nick Santello. And uh, Nicky scored the touchdown, in fact. He had a two-yard run. And what differentiates Nicky Santello from these other guys, you, you're not probably going to see these great passing numbers from Nick. You'll see, though, I can tell you, better running records because – Santello, other unlike these other guys, he's a dude out there. He's gonna he's gonna bang bodies. He's not afraid to do that. He, this is a linebacker, you mm-hmm. know. He's a, he is a quarterback in a linebacker's uniform. Um, and in fact, he does play a linebacking position on defense. Though so, though Lyman Hall will try to limit the contact he's exposed to. Um, but but Nicky, yeah, he's, he's he's a throwback type of player, and he will you know tuck the ball and go quite a bit. You'll see him getting up to the edge, looking either to pass or to run. And he can do both. Uh, Coach Wyrock speaks highly of him. And um, they've got a win under their belt so far, and they host Notre Dame at Fairfield on uh, this coming Friday. And uh, hopefully, you know, the Trojans have, have turned a corner this year with, with Coach Wyrock coming in. And certainly, Nicky Santella being a quarterback will help toward that end. No doubt about so those it. Those are our six, Joel. Um, they were all a, tr- a treat to talk to. Each one brought an interesting little wrinkle to our our, our tableau, as it were, and it kind of made writing all those stories a little bit easier than it might otherwise have been. Yeah. No, that's great. And uh, as you said, I, this is, you know, I, I love, um, you know, one of the things we really like and, and try to try to uh, highlight here with the podcast and some of the things we're doing with CIAC is, you know, that these uh, the local news outlets certainly uh, can kind of get deeper on some of these stories and some of these teams and athletes than, uh, than, than other folks can. So it's great to see that kind of... Uh, coverage and and uh as you said telling the stories of these six kids so i'm just curious obviously you'll be uh you know following the teams and and doing stories uh you know on their games and everything throughout the course of the year are you is there any plans to kind of you know revisit the year of the quarterback a little bit later in the in the season or, or even at the end of the season to kind of you know check in on 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 where everything went so uh can fans kind of look forward to that uh that sort of a, a check-in on on this uh this uh these six guys once uh, the season gets a little deeper uh, obviously, that's a possibility. Whether or not we revisit all six in the same way we did to start the season, I, I don't know. Other than, you know, when it comes time to pick our all-record journal team, you know, we will revisit that basic theme that we sure. have six returning quarterbacks and who did what, you know. Um, with quarterbacking, especially this year's class, because so many kids, I think, are all of comparable level. They, in fact, they all know each other. They often work with the same quarterback coaches, um, you know, I think the numbers, when they come in, because I expect a lot of winning seasons this year for a lot of these teams, and I suspect that a lot of their numbers are going to be very close. Um, And their personalities are very close, and the roles that they play on the team 
are very similar. Rabe, Barmore, Marinelli, Graham, these kids are, are captains, you know. Um, it, it's interesting when I look at Barmore and Rabe's numbers from the, the first week, they are literally identical. I mean, really, Barmore, 15 for 23 for 206, two touchdowns. Rabe, 15 for 24, 209, two touchdowns. I mean, geez. <laughs> um, you know, even Marinelli's numbers are right there, too. 10 mm-hmm. for 13, 198, four touchdowns. Kersey, 7 for 9, 210. Um, you're seeing really efficient numbers. Again, calm, confident hands behind center. Yeah. You know, kids who learned how to read defenses, and the game is slowed down for them. It's not just coming at them in a big blurry rush. So when it comes time to pick our all-record journal team, yeah, it might wind up being a whole separate story on here's who we're going with with our all-record journal quarterback, but, man, was it close, and yeah. here's why. So. Yeah, I guess we probably will do that story in the end, Joel. And I got a feeling I'm going to be the one writing it too. So. <laughs> well, uh, make we, you uh, feel any better driving me to to work? <laughs> there you go. I just made your day. I appreciate that. Well, uh, I know I will uh, look forward to checking back in with it. And like I said, I really thought it was a you know an interesting and, and kind of fun way to to dive back into the football season. So uh, kudos to you and uh, and Pete and the folks folks at the Record Journal for. Uh, for coming up with the idea and executing it. And uh, we really appreciate you uh, checking in, kind of letting folks uh, get, a, get a little bit of a feel for what it was about. So thanks very much, Bryant, and we'll, uh, we'll check back in with you a little bit later in the season, perhaps. Beautiful, Joe. Anytime. Thank you for having me on, bro. Thanks so much to Bryant. Really enjoyed having him on. Obviously something that he's very passionate about, that uh, the, that series of features that they did on uh, the area quarterbacks heading into the football season. As I said, you know, it's uh, it, we get so many great stories, and, and we uh, are spoiled in the state of Connecticut um, that the high school uh, sports beat is covered so thoroughly still uh, by so many media outlets in the state. But, uh, you know, to, to see somebody come up with a little bit of a different way to, uh, to enter into the high school season I thought was really cool. So I wanted to... Uh, to highlight that and now we uh we return to one of our frequent guests on the cic cast matthew conyers of the hartford current we are very happy to have with us matthew conyers of the hartford current one of our go-to podcast guests because he uh he's got as much knowledge and as much uh insight into what's going on in the state of connecticut as just about anybody with the sports that he covers and uh and matt has uh, at the moment has been officially switched over to the high school football beat for the hartford current but uh he cannot leave soccer behind and since we've uh, we've already done a little bit of football with uh, our previous guest here on the podcast today we got to get matt on the phone and have him talk a little soccer so matt as always a pleasure to have you let's uh, let's talk some soccer you ready i am ready as always you know that you know the game i love so all right uh, so let's just start off here, and, and we'll kind of go big picture uh, to sort of just pick it up. And, uh, you know, the season's underway here uh, in the last few weeks. But um, kind of big picture, what are some of the big picture stories or, or trends or things that you're keeping an eye on with the high school soccer season this year across the state of Connecticut? Joel, I think everybody knows this storyline. I'm not breaking any new ground or new story here, but it, it is it is the biggest one. It was the biggest one last year. You know, you got to start with Glastonbury Girls Soccer. Uh, they, they just recently and were moved up to number one in the country in the USA Today poll. Uh, they started the year at number two. They quickly shifted up. They carry a 60, they carried a 60-game winning streak in the season. They've already won three games this year, so it's at 63 as of this moment as you and I speak. And it is quite remarkable. Obviously, the record is – they're not going to get the national record. It would be realistic and – it's very unrealistic to think that it's about 70 games away. Mm-hmm. But just for a team from Connecticut to go out there and be the number one soccer team in the country is pretty remarkable. And you can always say, I can already hear the, the criticism, well, it's a national poll, they don't see everybody. I get that. But sure. still, it is a remarkable achievement for girls' athletics in the state of Connecticut. This goes beyond soccer uh, and girls' soccer. This is a remarkable achievement for girls' athletics and it's not going to be forgotten for a while. It will have impact, you know, for the next five, ten years because people will talk about what Glastonbury has done and what this team has done. And one of the really special things about this particular group of team, this team, this wave of Glastonbury players that has come through the last, you know, three years or so specifically that has the streak has gone on, is you've really seen them devote team chemistry, devote more to team chemistry, mm-hmm. the makeup of the team, the build of the team. I think, you know, I've been covering now high school sports and high school soccer in the state for 10 years. This is my 10th anniversary. And I, and I told the girls at the Glastonbury when I met with them before the season, I feel these teams in the last three years have gotten progressively closer and closer, and they've done a really good job 
of getting the freshmen involved, the sophomores involved, and really making a team dynamic. There's no clicks. And I felt that last year, and I'm not making it up, that it's all honest, that I really do believe that it's not a line, it's not coach speak, as you would say. Yeah. Uh, and, this team, and this team, too, is a very uh, interesting team for Glastonbury because they don't have a lot of starters. They only have three that were in the final last year. Uh, they lost some players to Oakwood because of uh, the academy rule that came in place, which is another big storyline, which now affects girls' soccer as academy. Yep. But this is a young Glastonbury team, a new team, a new fresh faces, so... They, they have the same mindset, uh, but a lot of new players, uh, a lot of dynamic players that are getting their opportunity to step up. And that's, that kind of kind of blends into the bigger storyline of the year. So Class of Mary Girls Soccer, I think, would have to be the watch. Everybody's watching. Can they keep this thing going? Can they sure. really keep it going to 80 games? And, and the way they're coached, the way they're led, uh, they always do a great job of picking great leaders. They have another great leadership unit this year. Um, four girls that have known each other, only seniors on the team, have known each other since the very beginning, uh, third grade, played together, are best friends outside of the, the soccer world. Uh, and, it, that, and I think that helps a lot. And then they got a lot of great younger players. One player is Chloe Landers, who, whose father coaches the boys' team. She's a, a player really to watch for the future. they got a great uh, goaltender in Matt Gerhardt who's ready to take, up, make her, take her turn. Um, but what I was saying that blends into the year is that it's in all boys and girls soccer is the fact that you have these old blue blood programs, mm-hmm. the Farmingtons, the Glastonbury's, these teams that have been around for a long time with new faces, uh, new mindsets, new approaches. You look at Avon, both, both on the girls and boys' side, new faces, people we don't know as well, but there's a lot of interesting new storylines going in for them. So it's like, what has changed at these long-held programs, these long-dominant programs? So that's, that's a big storyline coming in. New faces, new era, changing of the guard, so to speak, for a lot of big-time programs. Yeah, no, and uh, and Matt is as always is jumping ahead because he knows some of the. We've done this so many times now. He knows uh, some of the questions I'm going to ask him. So that's why uh, that's why we like getting in Sorry. here. But uh, no, that's all right. That's uh, we're 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 moving seamlessly from one topic to another. So you talked about those blue blood blue blood programs. That's not an easy thing to say. Um, and uh, and obviously there are some of them. But uh, give me another. You know, just handful of teams uh, that you're really interested in. Whether it's uh, you know because you think they're going to be particularly good or they just have kind of you're intrigued by them for whatever reason just interesting teams to you uh you know a few on the boys and girls side uh, as as we go through a season i think the big one on the we, we started with glastonbury on the girls side and the big team everybody seems to be watching obviously you watch glastonbury farmington that's a given any year right mm-hmm. but the team that's got on everybody's mind right now all eyes on them is eo smith this is a team uh, John Moves, we, we haven't had to talk about a while. They, they've sort of been building back the last couple of years. They made a nice run to the Class S semifinals last year. Very good team. Uh, but if you remember, Joel, and you know the history of the sport, too, I mean, this is a team that owned uh, soccer in the state, was, you know, one of the most dominant, successful programs in the last 40 years mm-hmm. uh, from 1980 up. But they haven't won uh, a state title uh, since 1998. So it's kind of like, uh, if I had to compare it to anything in a professional level, it's almost like the, the Celtics back in 2008. Remember, it had been so long for the storied Celtics franchise sure. to win a title, you know, and they had started to chip away with it. They got the big three uh, that came in, and, and they really made that run. And sorry for all those. Nick fans, non-Celtics fans out there. Well, you're talking to a Celtics fan, so that's a, that that's an excellent well, reference. Works there. But that's the analogy. E.O. Smith and this group is trying to restore that Panther pride, that E.O. Smith pride that was is so in base. I mean, you couldn't think you could say high school soccer in the '90s, early '90s, and E.O. Smith would be the team you think of. Uh, they would get brought up, and now it's kind of been shifted to more like the Glastonbury's Farmingtons. But this is the team, and I said big three. You got a big three, and you got a core five. Core five is the seniors that have been together since they were freshmen that have moved through. And the big three, I, I, I don't know if you look at any other team in the state that has the quality of these three stars at their positions. You've got Cooper Connect, who really, you know, he scored 31 goals last year. He's got 57 uh, in his career entering his senior year, 57 goals entering his senior year. That is special. Yeah. He is just a proven, proven uh, goal creator. And, and often you hear me say finisher or goal scorer. 
He can do that. He's a great finisher, but goal creator in the sense that he's capable of scoring that goal or creating it for his teammates. He can really provide that boost you need in that final third. I don't know if there's anybody quite like him in the state. Or there's no one better in him. I mean, there's, there's probably people that you can pay, compare on different teams, but he does it as well as anybody out there, in my opinion. And, yeah. and he's going to be leaned on. He's going to be pivotal for this team. When you have a guy you can go to in big situations and he can come up with that goal, because that's what he is. That's what Cooper can go. When you need a goal, as a senior now, he's the type of guy he's going to be able to go out there and get it for you. Like uh, with UConn a couple of years ago with Kemba Walker, he would be able to go out and get the shot or the bat. That's Cooper for this team. And then you look at the midfield and Larson Richards and Will Toomey. Will Toomey was an All-American last year. Larson Richards is probably one of the more underrated players in the state. Uh, but those two are such dynamic midfielders, tough guys, good defensive players, good offensive players, uh, have all the tools in their basket that they can they can really uh, be the conductors for the team, orchestrate everything, and see the field. The big thing with them is their vision. They can see things. So I think this E.O. Smith team uh, you know, has a lot of hype on them, a lot of people watching them, and I think it's all deserved. I think they come back with so much experience. They, they went through the, the run last year where they lost two, which can only seem to benefit them. Mm-hmm. You know, It's a classic case of getting close, and next year they do it. So that's ES, uh, E.O. Smith, not ESPN. E.O. Smith is the team I'm really looking at the boys' side. There's a, there's a couple smaller teams. Is this the year? E- I, I've talked about East Hartford, and, and probably some people are probably getting tired of hearing me talk about it, but they've, uh, Mike Vendetti's been building that program up. And they've really done a good job. Is this the year they got a win against Hall last year? Gwyn and Glastonbury two years ago. So they've beaten these teams, but they have to prove each other. They have to prove themselves at the state level. They've won net loss now four years in a row, coming in as the darlings of the Hartford Current. Uh, making fun of myself there, Joel. But like they've lost in that first round game. So can they prove it? They have all the technical skill. They have speed. Can they prove to be fit? And they can. Can they withstand pressure from their depth? Then they just lost to South Windsor. Uh, who's going to be another team to watch this year. Sure. Uh, and they kind of showed the vulnerabilities. That's a team that you got to keep an eye on. Vendetti's brother, Mark, coaches at Old Lyme. It's the opposite. That's a blue-blood team, been around for a while. They're going to see if they can handle now uh, one of their smallest teams they've ever had. They have a very good goalie, uh, but they have to handle uh, one of those smaller teams. And, and, and another blue-blood team on the boys' side that I think is very interesting right now, having gone through everything they did last year, is Avon. Now, I'm not talking about Avon winning a title. I'm talking about Avon, who had just won two in a row, a share and a one by itself uh, a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. Are they going to make the postseason? Last year they had their worst season in program history. That's, that's a fact. Dave Slayton, the coach, guy I respect a great deal, he, he was upfront, honest with it. Hey, statistically and every other metric you want to measure us by, we had our worst season last year. Did not make the playoffs the first time since 1991, another school where you can't talk about uh, sports without talking about soccer and Avon. Yeah. So there's a lot riding on this season, and I know the seniors, especially a guy like Riley Walter, is going to, like, they got to get back there. That's going to be on their mind. And so you really have an eye. Can they do it? Avon, can they get back to 500, get, make that, that postseason run? Uh, and, of course, you know, can we not – we have to mention Farmington. I mean – they are the most prepared team out there. They just seem to get it done every year, and they bring back a lot of great players. I really like the midfielder Mike Mello in the middle. Blake Ruttenberg, another player who had a big uh, coming-out performance in the final last year. These are Farmington's another team that everybody's going to be uh, gunning for, and I really think the Class Double L title, after what they've done, mm-hmm. has to go through that because they've always come so well-prepared defensively and they have such a game plan uh, prepared when they go into the postseason. And then Glastonbury, their streak of three titles in a row ended last year. How did they come back after Simsbury? Another team with a bunch of potentials played well at the end of the year, um, beat them. So can Glastonbury recover, and can Simsbury now get over that next time and possibly get the semifinals? So those are some boys teams to watch, mm-hmm. uh, and I'm excited about. Uh, at the same time, I think Avon's another team that's going to be fighting. Uh, I, I think they're a good team. They'll probably make the postseason, but they're going to be fighting. It's not a, it's not a roster that you know a lot of stars on. Uh, it's a different look team for them. Northwest Catholic, another team that's dominated Class M for a while. How do they handle all the changes that's gone through them? Todd Sadler, you can't you can't argue with what he's done. He's argue, you know, in my opinion, one of the best girls coaches in the state. He's got a lot of he's got his work cut out for him this year. 
uh, a new coach in Farmington. You know, Taylor Henning, uh, one of the best midfielders in the state, going Hartford out of Farmington and Dap with a new coach. What's what's going to be their style? And you always look at Lewis Mills, a team that's uh, another new coach, but a team that's always close there. Can they have that breakthrough moment this year? Yeah. So those are some teams that keep an eye on. Uh, there's a lot out there. Old Lyme uh, brings a lot of people back. I really like them in Class S, too. I, I like to see if they can pull their first repeat off down there. Absolutely. How about on the girls' side? Any uh, uh, any t- intriguing teams besides that uh, that oh, yeah. record-breaking record record-breaking uh, Glastonbury squad? Yeah. So on the girls' side, like I, like I was saying, was I think Old Lyme will be a team to watch in Class S. They won their first outright title last year. Uh, can they come back and win a repeat? I I see them as being the cream of the crop in Class S. Uh, I really like how they play, how they approach, approach the game. Uh, a very loose atmosphere around that team. I think that benefits them. Uh, Farmington is another team I just mentioned with Taylor Henning. I think they're one to watch. They made a run, and they had a difficult start to last year, but they made a great run at the end of the season to the Class L semifinals. Can they get carryover from that momentum with Henning back? They've got a good defender in Ali, uh, in Alshia. Uh, Shea, I might be mispronouncing her name. I'm trying to ramble off as quick as possible. Not a problem. Uh, Northwest is a team you want to watch. Uh, and then on the other side, is there a team out there like East Hartford that made a run? You know, I'm looking at a team like Granby. I really like the defender, Mackenzie Stahl. Where are they going to go this year? Granby's a team that's kind of, uh, we, we forget about. We love their boys' team. We love the, uh, you know, well, I, I always have appreciated the boys' team with Dave Emery. I think they've got a Ben Rencar, uh, one of the best midfielders out there right now. I put him on the top ten watch list, uh, just an engine for them. But I think their girls' team is another team to keep an eye on, uh, see what they can do this year. It's, it's an interesting time for girls' soccer. Usually the last couple of years you've been able to I, I've been able to fill out that list, that player list of who I want to watch, who we should be watching this year. And it's changed a little bit this year. Uh, and there are some new players on it, some new teams on it that we haven't typically seen in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, can Enfield keep it going? Enfield's had a really strong run. Uh, they Before they merged two years ago, when they merged last year, they got a great goalie back and Kate Fonseca. They've got a great, great defender in Delaney Lahr. How do they adjust? You know, it's the third year. Can they keep building this thing? Can they keep moving forward? Uh, Tallinn made a run to the semifinals. They lose a lot to graduation, but, you know, I, I know in Tallinn it's not going to be acceptable just to get to the first round. That's a, that's, a, that's a soccer town. They love to go far there. What are they going to do this year in Class M? Class M is, by most extents of purposes, is, is very wide open this year. How do, who's going to take it? You know, usually that's Northwest Catholic that grows up there, grabs it, and makes a run with it. But I don't know if, if that North, Todd has that team this year in Northwest Catholic. I think they will make the postseason. Uh, you know, you never want to count against them. But I think class, a lot of these classes are wide open when you look past Glastonbury and the dominant team. And even Glastonbury is not a runaway team. They're going to be in a lot of games this year, Joel. And it's going to be very, very competitive. I think Simsbury is a team to watch on the girls' side, just like the boys. Uh, Simsbury only won four games last year. Uh, and But they bring back a lot of players, a lot of players from injuries. I think they will be jumped up. I think well, they, they, they should be one of the more improved teams in the area. And, and really, I don't know how we, I'm getting them to them now, uh, but uh, Suffield, Dave Sutherland, this is the team. He's been waiting, waiting for this team for a long time. His daughter is a junior. Uh, she's poised for that breakout. I don't even know if you can call it a breakout year, but she's ready to elevate to that elite level. Uh, she's got a player. She's just like her dad. She can do a lot of different things, uh, can score like her, her brother did. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, she's loaded around her. Uh, the Brigamini sisters, a lot of sisters on that team. And Suffield made it to the semifinals in Double L last year. I think they got to be one of the favorites to make it to the final this year. And the one thing missing from Dave Sullivan and Suffield's run the last 20 years is a Class Double L title. That's the one thing really not on that resume. And wouldn't that be something if Suffield, who is by, I know the way we do it now, they are a Double L team, but they are an M school. Yeah. And, you know, by all extents of person, if they go to Double L, compete with those teams. With the team they have, it would be a remarkable story. I know they're always considered a favorite, but I still think it's a remarkable story for an M school to go up to Double L with kids that are not getting, you know, they're not getting pool from uh, uh, 
it's not like a prep school. They're not coming from all over. These are Suffield kids. If they go in there and win it um, and able to make a run, which I think they are, I think they can compete. I think they have a little bit that toughness that might have been just a little bit off. I think they've got an extra layer of it this year. I think they can play with anybody. So, you know, if Glastonbury runs in the Suffield, boy, that would be, I mean, that's a primetime matchup whenever they schedule. That would be one you don't want to miss if that happens in the Class Double L tournament for girls soccer. So Suffield, with everything riding on it, the, uh, the first for them, everything they went through at the end of last year, they're a very, very interesting team to watch. And I think they're going to be a very fun team to watch. I think they're very on par with their coach, Dave Sullivan. He might have to be a little quiet on the sidelines. I don't know if he's going to uh, like that a lot. But this team knows what he wants. Uh, they've been you know, playing with his daughter for years. They've been staying over the house, sleepovers. He says this team knows them as well as any team's known them before. So it'll be interesting to see how that translates into results. No question about it. All right, as always, great, uh, great stuff. So we're gonna do uh, next. We'll go to players, but I'm gonna I'm gonna make you do this a little. I gotta keep throwing curveballs at Matt because we've done this enough times that he, uh, you know, if I just kind of stick to the original script and stuff, then it uh, it's it becomes too easy for him. So I'm gonna give I'm gonna throw him a little curveball this year. I'm gonna ask you. Uh, just, uh, you know, we usually do players to watch, and obviously you've hit on a lot of the great ones here, but I'm going to make you do, uh, on the boys' side and the girls' side, one forward or one, you know, forward, one midfielder, one defender, and one goalie. So you got one each at each position on the boys' and girls' side, Mr. Conyers. What do you got? Okay, so let's, let's go with players we haven't mentioned yet. Right? So All right, you can forward, do that too. Uh, forward, let's work it down. Because we, we've... Obviously, you, you guys, I started with it, Cooper Connect, that you've heard me mention him. Let's go with a guy we haven't mentioned, plays in a team that uh, probably doesn't get quite as much exposure as other teams in the big city areas, is Morgan, Morgan out of Clinton. The Morgan School out of Clinton is a team that is going for their first uh, state final appearance in 53 years. They bring everybody back, and the guy on top of the heap who's been there the last three years, he's been their force, been the guy putting in goals, is Juana Villa. He's just a, a perfect target player. He's the quintessential target player, the guy you want to get the ball to. It can be with, he can be going forward. He can be have his back to his goal. He in that box or around the box is going to create offense for you. He's got a heck of a shot. He's a force. He does, he's not easy to tackle. He's not easy to be brought down. He's to be stopped. And he's going to be the face. Then they've got great goalie. But he is going to be the goal face of this Morgan team. They, they beat Old Lyme last year in the semifinals. They, they were upset in the Class S tournament. But when they come back, you know, they, regardless of what happens in the regular season, they're going to make the postseason with all that experience back. They're going to be hungry for a run. It's not going to be, hey, let's get to the quarterfinals and be happy. This Morgan team with this potential, this is their window, which you see in Class S often. They're going to want to take it. They're going to want to seize it. Uh, and Wanaville has got to be the guy. I mean, he's going to face double pressure at sometimes, maybe triple pressure. Mm-hmm. Uh, everybody knows his name. Everybody knows about him at this point, knows what he's done, and he's going to have to raise it to another level. So that's a guy on the forward side. A guy on the defense side is Tallinn. He's going to UConn. Uh, he's already committed, Ryan Greenberg. Uh, we've highlighted a lot of different Tallinn guys the last couple of years, but somehow uh, one of the most uh, fundamentally sound uh aware uh, perspective defenders in the state has gone, kind of gone unrated. Uh, he's not gone unrated by UConn. He's going there next year. He's going to be huge uh, for that Tallinn team. They have a very good back line. He's, uh, he's a part of it, uh, a key, key Coggin, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and as Tallinn figured it out, it's offense, always another team that makes runs, was, uh, wanted to make a run last year, thought it could, had a team that could, uh, probably didn't get quite as far as they wanted to. They come back this year. Another team that's going to be very, very tough to beat out, that eastern part of the state, uh, is right there in the mix with M. Uh, you know, you look, you think of Ben Coolis at Lewis Mills. He, he, he's keeping an eye on what Tallinn and Ellington, those teams do. Ben's got a good team. But with Tallinn, with Ryan Greenberg, they're going to be hard to score against, and they're going to be impressive to watch. I look at a team like Southington uh, in the goalie position, who's going to remain really uh, – really heavily on their guy, Evan. He is going to be one of the backbone of the team. He's getting college interest. He's a vocal leader. He can really lead his team from the backfield. He has the ability to make saves. And when you look at Southington, it's not going to be easy. They face a tough schedule. Mm-hmm. Uh, they still got to find ways to score goals. But he's going to be diff- leaned on for them. 
They need him to become a big, and and he's not going to be allowed a lot allowed to let in a lot of goals because Southampton at this point in the season they still have to develop their offense. They're not going to be scoring a lot of goals. So those are three on the boys' side. On the girls' side, uh, now you got stump me. How am I stump? Let's see. Who do we want to lead off with with forward? Um, well, let, let's actually work our way up then. All Olivia right. Allen uh, with defense from Glastonbury. I didn't mention her, but she is one of those senior leaders on the team. She's just a very, very quick, uh, can move, just unbelievably quick. She's a track star. You, you might have mentioned her the name. She won the, double, uh, she won the title in the 1,000 meter in track. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so she's going to be one of the people that is going to be almost impossible to beat on that defense. She can run with anybody. She's got good soccer sense, and, and the thing that I really like about her as a player and, and, and as a leader is she gets what Glastonbury soccer is about. She's trying to carry on that tradition of Glastonbury soccer. On the goalie side, um, Kate Fonseca, she comes back for Enfield. Enfield's going to face a lot of pressure to, to kind of live up to that run that they went on the last couple of years in girls' soccer. Uh, she was an honorable mention, I believe, in our all-current last year. The goalie position's kind of wide open this year in the state. Uh, we lost some of our better goalies the last year. Abby Renault from Glastonbury graduated. She's playing up at Marist. So is Kate Fonseca the one to take over that mantle? It's a, it's, it's a wide open position this year for any, allowing anybody to shine. But she's going to be need to be a rock back there for Enfield. They've mm-hmm. got a good defender in Delaney Lauer, but she's going in just to be a rock. Going to have to make more saves than she did last year with the team that's coming back. Uh, I, I like Enfield. I think they're a good team. I think they're a postseason team that can win a couple games. But I'm going to look to her to really get things done uh, and, and, and have to key on her. I didn't mention her that much. Taylor Henning, uh, Harper-bound um, midfielder for Farmington. I think she needs to take the next leap. I, I've always been impressed with her skill. She's, she's dynamic. Uh, she's a little smaller, so she's, uh, uh, so she's not completely someone that is imposing on defenses. But what it makes her imposing is her envision and her ability to find holes and find her teammates. For Farmington to take that next step that we kind of thought they might take next year, uh, last year, right. she needs to really make that step and really take her team to the next level. Uh, and I think she's more than capable of it. She's going to Hartford. Uh, she's always played uh, high-level club soccer. Uh, so I expect her to really have a breakout, you know, that really that year that everybody's been waiting for. She's just a tremendous talent. And I, I think she can get Farmington back there. On the forward side of it, uh, I'm looking at Gretchen Crone uh, for Ram. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's a proven goal scorer. She's got uh, the ability to put it in the shot from a lot of different angles. Uh, she's, she's a good target player for her team. And she's been at it for a while. She brings a lot of experience to the position. And, and Ram's another team that has been there knocking at the door the last couple of years. Uh, Nick Libera, he, he's had this good team, but they haven't had that postseason victory. In fact, they've been, they, they lost last year. They were upset by Farmington. They haven't been able to turn the corner in the postseason. So when I look at this team this year, it was Gretchen uh, at top of the heap and at forward. Can they finally do it? Can they finally get that postseason win? Because they have the personnel, they have enough players back. Uh, with L being what it is, they can still make a run, but they really have to prove they can take that next leap and win that big game in the postseason. They, they, you know, I can tell you, I, I sat with Nick after that game, um, losing to Farmington, watching another game, and, and, and it hit him hard. He's not going to want to have that happen again, and he doesn't want to. He's motivated to come back and really prove that he could, his team can do something this year. And, and Gretchen's going to be his leader on that side at the top of the ball. Lots of, lots of good stuff as always, Matthew Conyers. It's uh, it's why we get you on the phone, and I should tell people. Uh, I think I do this every time, but uh, Matthew is is in the car. I'm not sure I know that many names uh, through the course of my life, or that could pull them out uh, the way you do, uh, just off the top of your head. It's impressive, sir. It's always good to talk to you. I know you're excited about the uh, the soccer season as well as the football season with your new beat yeah, uh, there I'm at very, the Hartford I'm- Current. Excited about the new P. Uh, obviously, very, very tough for me to leave soccer behind. Uh, it's a sport I've been with for 10 years, a sport I care about, but uh, equally excited about the opportunity with football and uh, just want to be there for all the stories. And uh, it, it means a lot to be here and to tell the stories of these kids. And uh, it means a lot to that I'm part of it. So thank you to all the, the teams and players out there. It's been a, it's been a fun 10 years. Uh, 
uh, going through and, and getting to cover your stories and get hear and talk here, you know. So. Well, there's no question it's been uh, it's been good for the sport of soccer in, in Connecticut and high school. So, Matt, as always, it's a pleasure. Uh, we will talk to you soon, I am sure, and uh, enjoy the fall season. Th- thanks, Joel. I really appreciate it. Have a good year. Thanks so much to Matthew Conyers. Always a pleasure talking to him. The guy has so much information uh, at his fingertips, uh, seemingly, and uh, and always enjoy chatting with him and, and getting the lowdown on what's uh, what's coming up. So thanks to Matt. Thanks to Bryant Carpenter. Check out both their work at uh, the Meriden Record Journal, the Hartford Current. Check it out online. You can follow them on Twitter. I'm not sure if Bryant's on Twitter, actually, but I know Matthew is. You can find him uh, there as well and uh, keep up to date with all the great work that they are doing. So we thank you so much for being with us for another edition of the CIC cast. We apologize for the, uh, for the long break, but we needed a little bit of time to regroup for the new high school sports season, but we are, we are off and running now. So we'll try to get back to our every other week posting schedule here as we roll through the fall season. And uh, as always, CIC sports.com tournament central.ciacsports.com. Follow us on Twitter at CIAC Sports. Follow us on Facebook, facebook.com slash CIAC Sports. And, of course, you can email us, ciaccast at C-A-S-C-I-A-C dot O-R-G. Once again, thank you so much for being with us. We hope you have a great weekend. I am Joel Cookson, and I hope you uh, will be back with us when we return for another edition of the CIAC Cast.